Hi team, I'm Fitz Kohler, your fitness expert from fitness.com and welcome to the Wasden Speaker Series powered by The Fitness Show. This series is in partnership with the University of Florida's Department of Sports Management and my guest this month is, uh, he's an American sports legend and one of the things I love most about him besides his athleticism and his accomplishments is his uh, dedication to this country and his patriotism. I think it's a really fascinating tale on how he became American and 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 what he's become since doing so. He's really extraordinary. So Meb Kofleski is the only human on earth to win the Boston Marathon, the New York City Marathon, and an Olympic medal. In fact, he's a silver medalist for Team USA from 2004 in Athens. He's a Division I college athlete, or he was for UCLA, where he brought home uh, numerous NCAA championships and dozens of national championships. He's a speaker. He's an author. He's got three books out right now, 26 Marathons, Run to Overcome, and Meb for Mortals. He's a father of three little girls, and um, since his victory in Boston, he's became, become uh, the face of running and a tremendous ambassador. If And if you know anyone within the running industry, they just love the guy. He's a decent human being and he's a fantastic speaker and he has so much to share about sports and beyond. So I'm really excited to have him on the show. Folks, you have the opportunity to interact with Meb today. Use the comments section wherever you are. We're broadcasting on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter and somewhere else, uh, but use the comment section and, and we'll we'll loop you in as we can. So without further ado, welcome Marathon Meb. Hi Meb. Hey Fisk, thanks for having me. I'm so happy to have you here. And as the first comment comes in, people are crazy excited to hear from you today. Well, it's a great honor to be with you. You keep up the fantastic work that you connect the community of running and health fitness. And uh, it's always great to see you announcing the road races. And now nice to be on your show. Yeah, thank you very much. I, uh, it's interesting. You and I have been at the Los Angeles Marathon together back when it was Skechers Performance Los Angeles Marathon many times and never crossed paths. It's such a big event. I had always hoped that perhaps someone would just kind of walk you over to the announcer booth to say hello. And that didn't happen, but we got to spend some time together in uh, 2019 in Philadelphia in the freezing temperatures. <laughs> yeah, that was a little chilly with the big jackets we had and uh, tried to still stay warm and the arm warmers uh, or the hand warmers <laughs> and things like that. But that's the nature of racing. You get to know your, your fellow runners, whether it's the announcement at the starting and the finishing races, but also among the roads that are paved for us. 13.1 miles or 26.2 miles. And, uh, you know, Nelson Mandela, the president of the South, South Africa, said sports unites us more than anything else. So whether we're called or not, we're there supporting each other, encourage each other, get to that finish line. Yeah, and you are beloved and so appreciated. We just spent a, a little more time together a couple of weeks ago at Gasparilla, and yeah. um, you went out for both days, the whole time, spent your time out on the course and near the finish line. And it was really fun to see people's jaw drop and the joy from seeing you there waiting for them. You know, like uh, Susan, Susan Hammerly and others are very creative on what, how we can connect with the fellow runners. And yeah, that was to be able to be there at Bayshore and surprise the runners. And they're just thinking, okay, I got to run 13.1 miles or 15K or 8K or 5K. And they see you and 
you give them high five or knuckle or they want to take a picture and all those things. So, you know, for me to be part of the Gaspella Distance Classic has always been fun and to be able to be kind of in different area and surprise them uh, or putting the medal around their neck sometimes is always uh, wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. And so one of the things that um, was notable to me, and again, you're, you're the feature, right? I mean, where our, our athletes are their own success story, but they see you and it's so exciting. But then we had Betty, 99-year-old Betty, who's about to turn 100, and she's done the uh, Gasparilla 5K 10 years in a row now. And it was interesting to see her meet you, and I, I, you probably have interacted before, but I thought, well, out of everyone on the course here today, this is probably the only one Meb is probably striving to be like. Absolutely. Betty was awesome. She was incredible. And she's excited. And, you know, to interact with her and put the medal around her neck was uh, an honor. And she's like, am I going to see you next year? So, <laughs> so she's still going on and strong. And to see her wonderful family come across, walk the 5K with her and finish the line is just that's what the, our sports need. It, it inspired me personally. And, you know, no matter how young I saw, it was Mother's Day weekend. It was a little moms that do all the tasks and, you know, that one hand on here and the other one dragging and trying to focus. I took a picture of that, but I wish I tweeted about it. And then you can see Betty come to the finish line. So it's never too young to all to be part of the community. And you are greatly appreciated no matter as long as you get from point A to point B. Absolutely. Do you see yourself doing races at 99? Well, hopefully my joints still be working, but I mean, I, I like to be part of the sport for as long as I can, you know, whether it's walking, it would be amazing. I would love to do that. Uh, I think it's part of my lifestyle and I, I hope to continue to do that until, you know, until I can't do any more, but I, hopefully that's a 99 or that age. That'd be wonderful. But she's, I mean, she was great. It was wonderful to see her, you know, come to the finish line or acknowledging her grandkids or her, uh, her kids uh, yeah. and, you know, call them by names and just give them a hug. It was an epic moment. It sure was. It was very exciting. It's, uh, it's the back of the Packers that steal my heart every time. I always say I respect the speedsters up in front, but the back <laughs> of the pack will make my heart explode, you know, 20 times a day at least, you know? It's a mutual respect, you know. We, you know sometimes they, we get inspired by them and they see us and get inspired no matter, and especially on our back on courses, when they see you, you like, whether well, they interact with them, give them thumbs up or they're like, okay, how are this human being going that? They're a mile four, a mile seven, they're mile eight and whatnot, but you have to understand that respect the distance and respect everyone who are out there at the door and taking each goal is, you know, we all have different ability, different talents, different ages, but at the end of the day, if you can do 5K, 10K, half marathon or full marathon, my hats off to you. So, so I, love and that. I, have that. I love that. We have so many athletes watching right now. So um, that's a, a great message for the people who beat themselves up about not going so fast. So man, before we go on to your championships and your training advice, et cetera, et cetera, I would love to go backwards um, to your childhood. Cause I think you have an incredible story. You mind sharing that with us? Yeah, I'll give you the synopsis of but and run to overcome that tells all the uh, details. But I was born in Eritrea, which yesterday was its 30th anniversary of independence. Uh, it's a small country in the Horn of Africa, uh, you know, below Red Sea in the top part of Ethiopia. And I was born there in the middle of the war that started in 1961. I was born in 75, so I was in the middle of that for the half of my youth life uh, was there, you know, and, uh, you know, I remember just a lot of horrific things, you know, so tough to put in words and it does come back to you, to your mind at times. But I remember 
there was so many landmines that you know somebody thought it was a pen and and it explodes and you got to be able to collect the body with stick to get a, a proper burial and not everything is grocery stores in a third world country no electricity no running water so if you want water you got to go to the well which is about a mile and a half away and carry water and my chore was to make sure i collect enough woods sticks and things like that to have fire because you have no electricity so i got to climb trees and uh, with a belt <laughs> to wow. when everybody's doing that you know you got to go higher because Everybody else is trying to do the same thing to get the branches or the bark out of the trees and you can't home with the basket bit empty. So, and I remember one day when I talk about my book that my brother and I were, we were so far out, we're in a different village and every village has its patrol and we got caught and we have to go, uh, my mom have to come and bail us out with a, a seed of, uh, a, you know, like a water bottle size of seeds to bail wow. you out out of that. So. It was that kind of story, but the fun part of it was um, playing playing soccer with makeshift soccer. Uh, we didn't have a ball, so we did was imagine like my you, know, you can see my CEP compression stock that I'm sponsored by now. But imagine having those socks over the W and stuff it as hard as they can with plastic bag, tie in the middle, and then you have to layer half second layer the second half so you can have because what we were playing. The the ground was public rocks and dirt and all that stuff, so you need that plastic to bounce, but also you need that second layer so it doesn't get worn out so quickly. So that was a fun part and not everybody went to school and, you know, lottery, it was a lottery or you had to pay, you know, 25 cents or a dollar and, and that, which it was a lot, you gotta sell a chicken or eggs and stuff to get that. So, but my sister who's a doctor now below me, you know, she always prayed, you know, if I can get to the, you know, when we go by the church and other uh, Christian, we, we pray and kiss the, the wall or the, the, the door of the church and pray your internal prayers say well one day I hopefully I'll make it to school and I'm promising I will pay 25 cents if you get me into school and things like that so promise that you do so it was interesting but I was there until I was 10 years old uh, moved to Italy my dad has walked over 225 miles from Eritrea to Sudan in the wilderness he only had a, a bag of uh, barley cantina water stick for protection about $20 worth or so money and no, you don't know uh, that ultra marathon. You will understand this if you're doing ultra marathoners, <laughs> just go in the wilderness and you just know, you know, from here to Gainesville or whatever, no roads, no hotels, just go and you have hyenas, scorpions, snakes, or tigers <laughs> that are obstacle on the way. So he would even sleep on the on the trees because he can't sleep on the ground. Otherwise, he's going to be a meal to the next animal. So, but he would have nightmares and he would crush his leg to do that because, you know, on the trees, he can't really fall asleep there either but uh you know the biggest journey he lived behind was his wife and five kids one on the way not the 225 mile walk that has to do from the soldiers from all those obstacles but fortunately he made it and his book would be coming out uh it actually came out in april so if uh, you're interested in yeah what's gonna, the name of that book uh from 77 from 7 to 77 so his memory from age 7 to 77 and kafleski.com is a website for him and uh, you can order it. But uh, so it's a, it's a fascinating story and he only has seventh grade education, but he has a wisdom of a lifetime and just edu uh, experience education. And he's one of the intelligent people that I know. That's incredible. So you, you went to Italy and then how soon did you make it over to the US? 
you know, so for my dad, we were separated for five years. So I didn't see my dad and I counted for five years from age of uh, five to 10. And I remember running to in Athens where you described where I won silver medal. So it has a special meaning for me because he flew from Italy to meet us in Athens. And we flew first time. I'm like next to the window of the plane. I'm like, I'm going to fall. I can't be too lean. You know, you don't know that they do the, all the safety stuff. You just right. see that little window for the first time flying. It's like, it's a mile long, almost wide. I'm going to fall, you know, <laughs> but I was the first one to run into him, and I just remember ran into him and give him a hug. I said, Baba, and then he called me Marhawi, which is my youngest brother by four years old. He said, no, it's Meb. He's like, my kids, he went to tears because his expectation on our growth was height was this, and I was tiny because we didn't have enough food and to eat and, you know, filled with hunger and uh, drought and other obstacles that life that uh, present in Eritrea. So... It was tough, but, and then we moved to Italy for a year and a half. I loved Italy, you know, spoke Italian fluently right away. And, uh, you know, teachers and classmates took care of me. And then uh, on October 21st, 1987, we came to the beautiful United States, uh, particularly San Diego, because my sister Ruth was residing there. So she sponsored us with the Red Cross. We came there and, and you know, this is a land of opportunity. The parents say, we didn't have this opportunity. So your uncles don't have this opportunity. Your cousins don't have this opportunity. So make sure you utilize it and do make us proud. And basically they, my dad woke us about 4.30 in the morning uh, with, before 7.30 o'clock to learn vocabulary to the, to the English and to green our native tongue. And uh, basically my oldest brother, now we are six of one was born in Italy. There's uh, seven of us and parents and a three bedroom, one bath. and. Uh, survival survival and uh, but hard work that's by also when my oldest brother who started ninth grade he got the most outstanding student at uh, roosevelt junior high and they say, say hard work that's by off and they the trophy is about this big and they prominently displayed on the top of the tv before flash three flash screen tv was in, in the dominance of the house and say they put it there said this is how hard work pays off and that's the rest is the history and my brothers ran Futsum uh, and Aklilu when they were in 7th and 8th and ninth grade and I was in 6th grade when I, because of, I was 12 and a half but because of the lack of English they put me in middle school to have that transition year and uh, to learn English and then a year later 1988 which just happened to be Olympic year which I didn't know but Coach Dick Lord Dick Lord goes if you run hard you're going to get A or B if you mess around and go for running you're a DRF well my two brothers were walking around with a t-shirt that says Roosevelt Junior Hamar Club shirt. I won one of the shirts like my brothers, and I want to get that after a 6.15 as a seventh grader. And I ran as hard as I can to make my parents proud to get an A and a t-shirt and a picture in the gym and end up running a 5.20 mile. And he goes, you're going to go to the Olympics. And he's like, I'm like, A, t-shirt. <laughs> oh, I, didn't, I, I don't know what the shirt. word. I don't know what the word Olympic meant. So that afternoon, I went and asked my dad. I said, what? You know, he says something, Olympic, what is that? And he's like, uh, what happened? He's like, well, I ran 520 in Tigrinya, my native tongue. And then he said, Olympic or something. He's like, well, I don't think your brothers ran that fast. So tell the truth. And I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> that's it. And then uh, he explained to me how every four years, the, the world gets peace and harmony to friendly competition and explained about the five rings. Well, I mean, it's the kind of story that leaves you speechless. And that's the one, that's the, that's the American dream we hope for people. You know, you come over to this country and make the best of it. Now, I believe I read that you have, there's 10 of you now, 10 siblings. Mm -hmm. And every last one of you has a college degree. 
Yeah, one of them, did, he went to school, they didn't finish it, but everybody okay. else had gone. And they got masters in education, MBA, and my sister's a doctor. Howie is a law degree in electrical engineering, so, and Stanford grad, and you name it. We've been very blessed, and uh, we worked extremely hard. You know my story, but they equally have worked out in their own field, and we just hope to be a positive contributor to society. You know, what do you think your parents did specifically to get you all just to be such achievers? Well, I think the opportunity that we saw we had, the older ones, we don't want to waste it, you know. And yeah. parents, God bless them. And, you know, my dad did really the best he can. We grew up on the welfare system. Uh, we got support from the U.S. government. And my dad drove taxi to supplement that. And then the rest is uh, work hard. And my mom, God bless her, she... Whenever we went home from school, we were always greeted and welcome and gave us fresh food the best we can. We never ate camp food or anything like that. Wow. It was, and we'd come and just eat and then study. There's nothing to it. And then he study and then he do the, we do the dishes and then go study more until about midnight or 11 o'clock and then wow. do it again day in, day out. And if you've done your homework, there was no weekends on TV, uh, TV on the weekdays. Um, just work hard and, you know, uh, and our goals were driven, but also the expectation was pretty high. And, and the original community where I was born is, is a thing. If the older leads, the rest will follow. So whatever, you know, if they're doing homework, you're going to do homework. If they're playing around, you're going to play around. If you do something else bad, you're going to do something else bad. So having that uh, fundamental structure of the house was very important. And we were a follower of older brothers to be the best we can. I love it. I love it. It's perspective from where you were to where you are and then priorities and good habits. It's something we could all, you know, improve on within our homes sometimes. It sounds like your your parents were magicians. They're really good. Yeah. And it, bad. You know, we didn't have we, we didn't know what tutoring was, but if you. So, for example, Akilu or who was was in seventh grade, when I got to seventh grade, he have to understand it. But also, if I have a question, I have to ask him. So, and then he would okay. do the same thing with my older brother. So, you have supposed to kind of filter down, help him out to whatever it was need. So, you know, we would get, you know, we didn't have a desk. We had a, the dining table where we do all our homework and, you know, and just lined up there and do the best you can. If you have to read, you just go into the couch and read on the couch. Otherwise, if you have to write, get it proper. And it was school after school program, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess. I mean, with and then the support system from your siblings, very impressive. Yeah. So um, when was your first race? Whew. My first race was 1990. There's a picture of me. I, I do keep the Gail and Steve Van Camp, my mentors from San Diego. Their daughters were cross-country team, but I have a scrapbook that they helped me assemble when I was oh. a kid. And the picture, I was always, I don't know, I loved running. It gave me the self-esteem. It gave me the opportunity to just be the best that I can. And that was a picture of me when I, I was in eighth grade and my brothers were uh, ninth uh, and then also uh, 11th grader. So there's a picture of me lurking behind a tree. I'm like, they're changing, they're warming up, they're stretching together, they're talking. And I'm like, one day I hope to be there. And then freshman year, uh, a year later, I was part of that great joy to wear that uh, San Diego high school cross country uh, shirt, you know, a jersey. And then, um, so that was my first official race, I believe. Um, I have done uh, 5K maybe when I was in eighth grade, but I think it was more ninth grade after the cross country. So and it was great and uh, it was fun. I enjoyed it, uh, three miles, 3.1 miles. And then we went, there's a great sense of humor here. Uh, so uh, it's called um, 
an interview invitational in California, about an hour and a half, two hours from San Diego. And there was an invitation there. And I was a freshman. I was the favorite to win. So they got to go cross country. You got to go around, start somewhere the park, go around for a mile. And then you got to go over the bridge. And then the first time you go under the bridge and loop around. And the second time you're supposed to go over the, the bridge. But I was so much in the lead that they told me, the volunteers at Telsu, they would guide you. They guided me the wrong way. And... And my brother was kind of speaking support each other because it was by grade, ninth graders, 10th graders, 11th graders, and 12th graders. Uh, my brother was 12th grade. He's like, look, I'm trying to anticipate I should be where I should be, but I was where he was. And he's like, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be over there. And, and I ran back <laughs> and I'm getting 10th place. I was so much by ahead. That person that volunteered, I thought I was in last place. And he told me to keep doing the Aww. same move. <laughs> so there's a good, fun, fun way of racing. But at the same time, you know, I, ever since then, I just kind of do the tour of the course now. Okay. Okay. I was just going to say that's a really good uh, story for so many of our athletes who actually do get lost during a race. So Next time it happens to you, viewers, if it happened to Meb, and he can laugh about it, it could happen to you too. So, so you go from there, and apparently you're quite the superstar in high school, and you get a scholarship to UCLA. Yeah, I mean, I did uh, cross country, did the track and field mile to mile. I think the two mile was too long, but and then uh, it was a great honor to go to UCLA. I loved it. It was a best academic and athletic combination. But I, for me to this day, that UCLA degree means so much to me because I don't want, I, I didn't know where running would take me. Honestly, I didn't, you know, I was winning races and I got a scholarship, but I recently saw my uh, yearbook that my classmates that or wrote on it. They're like, well, you're going to go to the Olympics. I still didn't believe it. They saw my vision before I did, but, you know, we're going to see the Olympic. We're going to see on TV, you know, don't. Don't, uh, don't forget the small people, though, they said. And, <laughs> you know, but it was 1997 with Coach Bob Larson when I was, I graduated in 94. And then the third year, junior year at UCLA, when I really thought maybe, oh, this is a possibility that I could do a professional go to the Olympics. But before that, I, I know there were other people that saw it, the vision, but I didn't see it. Uh, I just wanted to get that diploma and be a, a normal person, go to work and hopefully have a family and, enjoy life. You know, that was my dream. But uh, luckily, you know, 97, I won four NCAA titles at UCLA, cross country, indoor, and they had a prelim for the 5k. And then you have to come back under the 10k and then the uh, 5k final. Uh, you know, when I won those, I thought, Oh, I think I could do this. Maybe I should go professional early. But then I thought about it and like, Nope, get that diploma. If you didn't get that diploma, you, you're gonna have, uh, you know, distractions on the way. So uh, I stayed another year, in fact, to get my uh, business specialization at UCLA. So I studied communication and business at UCLA. And once I graduated, uh, I was excited to wear that. In 1998, I became a U.S. citizen. And uh, I decided to, you know, uh, try to for the Olympics after I graduated in 99 and became citizen in 98. And then 2000, I made my first Olympic at the Sydney, Australia and the 10K. And, you know, it was a... Uh, if you, it's on YouTube. You can find it. Uh, Alan Culpepper gave me a run for money. I thought I had a one, and then he just closed his eyes. He was a sprinter, and I was ready to raise my hand like this. And then next thing I know, it's right there. I had a big lead, and but I have to lean. It was, and the finish line was closer than the hundred meter finish. Yeah, so I didn't think I wow. won it, but and you know him and Abdi Abdurrahman and Culpepper, we win and uh, represent our country in the 10K in Sydney, Australia, prior to 9/11. 
down and under, went above and beyond to make it wonderful. Still is my favorite Olympic experience, and it was wonderful. That's so. I've got two questions. Um, have Have you ever lifted your arms up at a finish and had somebody else pass you by and win it? Uh, I feel it for Molly. I know a friend of mine, Molly Hado, who, who was able to do that. She was going for the bronze medal, and then somebody in field, I think her name, another American kind of got her at the end. But for me, you know, there was a um, cross country that got really close in 2009 uh, at the uh, cross country 12K championship. Uh, I, I, I won it, but it was close. And then Abdi and I had some crazy, crazy push off at the end and then just like grooming in a cross country courses. Uh, but uh, no, I, I, you know, for those of you that saw the Boston Marathon, I was looking a hundred times just to make sure that nobody was coming. So it was a very valuable lesson that I learned from that. But I still raise my hand, but I make sure I have plenty of time. Okay, <laughs> make sure you're number one. Okay, and then here's the other question, which is kind of off the sidebar of running, but you were at UCLA, which is a big, fun school. Did you um, interact with the fun party life of being a college student? Was there beer chugging for Meb back in the day? Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have, I was cross country track uh, and, and outdoor tracks, but I went, I'm not going to say I never went to a party. I went maybe at the beginning of the season, couple fraternity brothers, uh, fraternity parties, but never really, because I was so committed to academics and uh, athletics. I was always traveling. I was always studying, but uh, okay. you know, I talk about my book around to overcome. I did go to a couple area dances that I go and I, I will have, I never, I would drink orange juice and water and whatever, because I got to get up at 7.30, 7am to do my 20 mile long run. So I was pretty disciplined. And that's one that Ron Tao, I should give Ron Tao, but who was a, not my, Ed Ramos was my high school coach, but he had me on the side and he goes, you know, you can make, when I graduated, he gave me the Olympic ring flag. And he said, if I have a son, I want him to be just like you. And he oh. said, there are two things, you know, going to UCLA is a big commitment, but if you don't get distracted with college life and then be disciplined, you can make the 2000 Olympic team and you should be able to medal 2004 and 2008 Olympic team, but you got to stay away from the distraction. And uh, for that, I'm blessed for not be able to do that. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So it's interesting. The time is flying by because you have so much good stuff to share. So I, I have questions. I'm kind of... Um, bleep over i'm gonna i'm gonna move past but your olympic experience what are the highlights of being an olympian to be an olympian is a great honor i mean it happens every four years uh, the highlights is wearing that red white and blue i mean at the end of the day that's when you get that jersey and when you're going through you know processing team processing you have a car like grocery store the big ones and you're going through there and all the sponsors all the stuff is giving it to you they put it there on on you and to get fitted and get all those uniforms you know you get olympic ring uh but you could upgrade if you like because it might be your last one so i did right. upgrade my rings four times just fyi because <laughs> i thought the first time was going to be my last one so wow uh, you never know what the future holds but uh so is and then you go to compete in the president country you are one of the few and proud to be able to just say for each event only three people get selected men and women for the marathon 5k 10k 100 meter pole vault or triple jump or whatever it might be you are a representative, so you have a big responsibility. We have a great honor, but at the same time, it's your moment to shine. And for me, you know, to wear that red and white blue meant, meant a lot, uh, especially in Sydney. The first time you wore, because you strive to be there, represent your, 
your country and sometimes you want and then it's another notch to win another medal if you win a medal and you get a flag is risen or the national anthem be played uh, in your honor uh, and for your country so it's pretty spectacular and pretty amazing experience i feel uh i feel honored that i was able to represent our country on four olympic team and you know uh, i was fourth place in london but it was a win for me because i was thinking of quitting but when you're wearing that USA jersey and you look down when you're tired and you're like, you know what, what am I doing? How many people love to be in my shoes? Plus my daughter's with the finish line. So from 21st place, I talk about what I do a lot of motivational speaking. I talk about the 2012 London Olympics, about that detail, about mile by mile or, five, or 5K, how thinking of giving up at 21K or a half marathon and the 21st place. So my goal was to medal or went top 10. And it's not gonna happen. So he's like, I'm saving it for New York. And but and then you look down. You're like, you know what? You're wearing that USA jersey. How many people love to be in your shoes? Your daughters are finished fin at the finish line, and family members get to that finish line. No matter how many people pass you, you're not even thinking you're gonna pass people because you're fatigued. But part of thinking is important. I eventually came from 21st to 17th to 15th, and with 5K to go, Coach Coach Larson pointed out six fingers, and I'm like, well. I don't know who's in the front and if any of them get used drugs or they get busted, I want to be the one moving from fourth place to the bronze medal. So I eventually get in fourth place. So I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that race. I don't win a medal, but I'm proud of that race and, and, uh, and win a silver medal and to see our flag risen in Athens. So it was the first time in 28 years. It was a huge, huge honor for me. So uh, you might have been born in Eritrea, but you were also born with the American spirit. That's Spectacular. I love that. You have so much pride. Uh, so the next big thing on your resume is the New York City Marathon Championship. Yeah, I mean, I think when I did, I did my first marathon in New York in 2002 and, you know, it was 38 degrees, just like the Philadelphia race that you described earlier. It was cold and chilly and tough one. And then I came to the finish line and I got it on four people and then I hit the wall at mile 19. I was in the lead. I thought I could win it. And then got four people. I said, worst in here, I got fourth place. I think I still can get second, third and or win it. But then I hit the wall, the imaginary wall. And then I just, my mind says, go. My body says, you're done. You can't. <laughs> and I end up getting in ninth place. And uh, those guys that were I, I was with, they put four minutes on me in the last literally like four miles or so. Wow. <laughs> and uh, I hated it. I never wanted another marathon. I ran 212.35, which is outstanding. But for the Olympic A standard, you have to run sub 212. So I missed it by 35, 36 seconds. I'm like, I'm not doing another marathon to shave off 36 seconds. There's no way. <laughs> and uh, so my mom was there and she's, she saw me hurting so bad. She's like, no more marathon for you. It's a 5K, 10K is okay. No more marathon for you. My daughter was trying to massage me, but and uh, I I went back to Eritrea for the first time in uh, I don't know since uh, since '85 in 2002 in 17 years I saw how people were living what I was doing as a childhood and I said well I guess that marathon pain was not that bad I could do it again and then I came back uh, but it was my dream to win the New York City Marathon ever since that day and I thought in 2006 was the year that I was in good shape to do it and then I got food poisoning in that race I said well this is it I didn't think I have the dream for it. And then in 2007, obviously the November was the trials where I had, I didn't make the team. My good friend Ryan Shea passed away. So mentally, physically, and emotionally, I was dumb. And then I remember before I left the stadium, I, I was on my knees and elbow, knees and elbow, uh, knees and elbows moving around the hotel because I was hurting so much that I couldn't put, bear weight on my, on my, on my, on my feet. 
because I didn't know that I had pelvic stress fracture, but it turned out to be a stress fracture. So when my wife saw me crawling from one place to another and instead of walking, she's like, well, better find, we better do something else. You know, I have my degree and you have your college degree. Let's do something else different. And I said, well, internally, there's more than the tank that I, that I, that I did this race. So I made a goal to say this is New York City Marathon would be my Olympics that I didn't go to Beijing to represent our country. And after a year and a half of physical therapy, I was able to run a personal best and win the New York City Marathon in 2009 wearing the USA jersey. So that was, an, uh, that was for me, that was my Olympics. That was the Olympic that I didn't go to Beijing. Not that I could have won the Olympic gold. Sammy Wanjuru, who ran amazing, ran incredible. But I, when I was watching the Olympics, I remember telling my wife, silver is a possible, definitely bronze, but silver would have been possible. And to have the silver medalist at the New York City Marathon when I won and the four-time Boston champion, it, it was a stacked stacked field and I was able to win it. So I feel very proud about that. And to have the national anthem play, it was pretty cool. Yeah, it's more than cool. That's what dreams are made of. That's incredible. So at the end of that race, uh, did you know how, when did you know, hey, I'm going to be the New York City Marathon champion and what's going through your head? Because I love all the things that go through your head. You seem to have a very vivid memory. Oh yeah. I mean, there's a vivid memory. Uh, I was, you know, I was trying to stay right behind be disciplined because I do a lot of the work. I love sharing the work. I have no problem sharing the work, but then sometimes the, people use you and then they leave you behind <laughs> and right. you know and that time I remember with about two miles right before you make an engineering gate or mile 22 I believe or 23 uh Robert Cherry who's a four-time Boston champion was in the lead I was down to down to him and I now so I was like he was he was trying to say hey t- take the share take the share but I'm like I've done enough share in the past so today I'm gonna do whatever I can to get it up finish line first and so I could sense he was getting a little impatient and getting a little bit tired. So I'm like, I was going to make a move where my good Ryan, friend Ryan Shea passed away. At, at, mm-hmm. You know, that's where I was going to pray and make my move. But I saw the vulnerability of Robert Cheria. said, let me just make a move this one. And then I, he made me have like two, three second gap. And then I said, the next 400 meters, this is mile 24, I believe. And I said, the next 400 meters are the most important race. And that's the finish line for me. Just try to make as much gap as you can. Just keep pushing, make the gap look bigger. And the gap got bigger and bigger. And then mile 25, I was in the lead in charge. And I remember I started doing USA. I'm like, oh, don't get celebrated too early. Don't get celebrated too early. You know, and then coming uh, to Central Park and I knew I had it. And to to just point to the USA jersey and Chan USA, USA coming. The finish line was pretty, pretty incredible time. And it was my dream to win the New York City Marathon. And that's my first marathon that I did and the first marathon victory that I ever had. So it was pretty special. Absolutely. How did your life change after that victory? It changed dramatically, you know, to win the silver medal, put me on the global in 2004. And then five years later, I won the New York city marathon. And, you know, it was a you know year I was had to make a decision. We'll go, go to the closing market, to uh, wall street, to close the stock market or go to the, uh, David Letterman show. So I decided oh, wow. to go to the David Letterman channel. New York does it right. New York is a big time and they pick you up on the Lomo and take you to the Knicks game. And I remember going meeting Chris Paul, the basketball player and there. And I remember going, you know, I wanted to get his autograph. They made a really nice shirt, the uh, Knicks shirt. He played for the Charlotte's, but I had the New York Knicks shirt and I had him sign and he goes, how did you have the, the energy to do push-ups? You know, because he saw me do push-ups <laughs> after I finished. It wasn't, not a push-up, but it's more like kissing the ground. You know, you're yes. running, you know how to, if you kiss the ground on your knees and you might not get back up, your hamstring might cramp up. So my style is 
kiss the ground and uh, not intention to do push up, but uh, he just says, oh, I got to tell my mom that. I got to tell my mom, how did you have over two hours? If I could only last about 40, 48 minutes in the NBA games, I would be so happy. So he was so excited and I met so many other great, you know, uh, players and uh, who are, who are supportive of the New York. So to be able to win the New York City Marathon, I tell Mary Wittenberg, who was the CEO at the time, I yeah. tell her, New York made me famous. <laughs> well, you made you famous, but for sure. So, so I got a question. Uh, I've, I've read that you had an experience with some people saying you weren't American enough when you won that event. It had been a very long time since an American had won the New York City Marathon. And there you took home the championship and you, you received some off-color comments. What was that? Yeah, I mean... It was CNBC guy, I believe, Ravel, his last name. Uh, it, it was disturbing. I'm not going to even de de deny that because you work your whole time and you were pumping your chest to how proud you are to be an American. Yeah. Point, I'm not, I wasn't pointing out to the logo of my sponsor. I was pointing out to the, to the US, USA, you know, and you work day in, day out, every single day to have this dream to be able to win the New York City Marathon or the Boston Marathon or win a medal for your country. And and somebody you're not in that American it hurts. And to this day it hurts, you know, and yeah. I'm getting emotional here. But and you hope that with those success comes great things. Or there is a Wheaties box, which was, you know, you think about this. Why would New York maybe I get in the Wheaties box? And you yeah. think that, that would would that happen, you know, because that's the striving of the pinnacle and uh, to be the best that you can and you try to be a good citizenship and uh, be the best human being that you can. But and then there's some people that don't want to see you sexy a lot of naysayers i guess but at the same time i love racing and i'm i love soccer i'm a soccer player at heart i played soccer for a long time and the reason i chose running over soccer is is nobody can stop you they can say things and the soccer the coach can pull you out or the ref can call against you but in running you're your own judge there's no you won or you didn't or you ran fast or you didn't you broke the american record or you didn't or you got to the finish line under four hours or you didn't or you broke five hours this and, and within yourself so there's i felt that's the reason one of the reasons i chose uh running and at that day i felt proud to be an american and to win for us and you know but there's few people that i guess weren't too happy about that so you know it's strikes me about that whole situation is the way you responded. And, and we can't control the way other people treat us or the things they say about us, but we're very much in control over the way we respond to our, our experiences. And, you know, I look at Kaepernick and whether people love him or love his response or not, he chose to decide I'm unhappy. I'm taking a knee. And it was very, very divisive. Instead, you said, I am an American and I love this country and I'm going to hold that flag up higher and I'm going to pump my chest with that USA on it. And your pride became bigger. And I just, I think that's kind of the solution. Your behavior right there is to me, the solution to much of the divisiveness in our country is own the flag. It's mine. You, you came, you, you traveled across the world to be an American. You studied, you took a test, you, you earned your citizenship and you, you, you really are an American icon. I, I, I love the way you responded to that. It, it really is meaningful to me. You know, people, I try to be uh, authentic and organic as possible for me. And I love my fellow runners. And they came to defend so much for me. I even have, I said something that I'm American and whatnot. But then those people who know me, uh, whether it is, uh, you know, online or whatnot, they came to 
to my rescue because they know who I am and what I stand for. It's not like, it's, it's not artificial about it. You know, this country mm -hmm. gave me and my family the opportunity to be the best that we can. And it has helped out to be a great uh, uh, citizens. And I try to go by the law and uh, yeah. enforce the law and be a great citizen and be positive contributor. And yeah, I mean, I, it hurt. And then nonetheless, it does hurt. You know, when somebody who doesn't know, you can say that if somebody knew me, I, I did this and they saw me a five fault. But for me, my whole thing was a uh, great honor winning, whether it's how big, how small the race are, the US championships, your US championships. And here are, you know, the biggest marathon in the world and your dreams are becoming a reality. And, you know, been a San Diegan and you know, San Diego, the community raised me who I am and UCLA raised me the man I am. And I didn't, despite choice, I became a citizen. I, you know, but I love what this country has done for me and my family and support us over the years. And I'm a, I'm the boy that, you know, that, that got the foot stamps and made something of it. And I'm more than happy to pay my taxes to, yeah. to help and whatnot. So, you know, I didn't come here when I was an adult or for college. I came here when I was in sixth grade, you know, yeah. and my parents, I'm grateful for my parents for making that decision for, on my behalf, but, and hopefully I made them proud to be a positive contributor to society. Well, I, yes, yes to all that. And we have a Facebook user. Some people are, their names are appearing, some aren't, but we USA runners embrace and love our countrymen, Mev, and we hope we can share his enthusiasm with the rest of the world. Yeah, I mean, you really, you represent us well. We're so happy you're on Team USA. We're so happy. Well, it's always an honor, you know, it's an honor and, you know, we have, we can, every day is a learning experience. We could always learn about each other and, and respect each other. Um, I've been very fortunate to have teammates and other friends, you know, sometimes. And also, you know, I know this is a hot topic, but I also have been not the good side of it. You know, people see on my color and not invite to me until they know who I am. Mm -hmm. I want a medal or a silver uh, or Boston or New York. But and at the time, I'm, you know, the video for me is I'm loved by the, my runners. But also when I'm in just a regular public, I'm not the basketball player, football player that stands out. I'm just a little guy and I, whatever. And, but I get the, the sense of both worlds, you know, right. in the private life, but also when I'm with my fellow runners, uh, the, the, the respect they give me. And it's always humbling. But at the same time, you know, my, my very important lesson my parents thought is, taught me was don't judge a book by its cover. Yep. There might be some valuable information there that if you just judge it, put aside, you know, you might not get to know what the information is inside. So let's help each other be the best human being we can be. So um, our next comments from Dennis Lebman, and he's uh, referencing running Boston in 2014, which you won. And I was just about to go there. So probably one of your crowning achievements is not only winning the Boston Marathon, you're the only human who's ever won Boston, New York City, and an Olympic medal, but you did it the year after the Boston bombing where America was hurting and you brought some relief. So tell us about that race and what did that victory mean to you? That victory meant a lot to me, but you have to go back until to 2012 to get the whole picture of that. You know, In 2012, that fourth place finish that I told you about, that, that's the door that opened for the Boston Marathon for me. And in 2013, I was scheduled to run, but with an injury, uh, didn't happen. And uh, in 2013, I remember meeting an older lady. Uh, to this day, uh, I, I was there for one of my sponsors doing autographs. And she goes, it took me 22 years to qualify for the Boston Marathon. So the Boston Marathon is the Olympic for the ordinary people who the, who are runners. And that's a diploma certificate, the walking diploma, the walking jacket or whatnot. But 
you know, in 2013, after I finished run, I did a little run and I was there to, I never get to see my fellow runners get to the finish line. So I do drug testing or media application and other things. But that day, I remember sitting there for like four plus hours, just watching the races, all the, you know, the wheelchair, the women, the men, and the, the runners come across the finish line. In fact, there was the, the, you know, the Boston is an arch finish. And one time they closed that arch farther away from where I was standing from the library. And I said, I see people sprinting. I'm like, you gotta open that chute because people are getting congested. So I tapped the volunteer. I said, open that chute, open that chute. And I had an appointment. I left for five minutes before the bombing or so. Wow. I left the, the, and I was with my friend, uh, Rob Hill. He gave me his jacket. It was a little chilly. I was staying there and I was, in, you know, stayed as long as I could. And then I had an appointment. So I'm like, I got to do study. I was supposed to do analysis for the race. So I need to re kind of refresh my mind and see what's going on. And then I left and then the Fairmont Copley was another guy there. I heard the bombing happen and I threw the F-bomb and I said, how can somebody have the heart to do such a disaster? So, but then again, that evening, Bonnie Ford from ESPN.com asked me, are you scared to come back or are you scared for your family? I said, look how long has it been happening and this, th we can't let this horrific one moment kind of destroy who we are. And I say, I remember telling her, I hope to be healthy enough to win it for the people. So to say that the evening of the 20, April 15, 2013, and to wow. you have that, you said that somebody, you have to carry that on your shoulder for over 365 days it's, it's a lot of weight but you know every practice every training there was intention i remember running with ryan hall sometimes we would think it was going to be electrifying the energy is going to be crazy got to control like you know it's going to control the motion don't get too quick to to the race but it's all about risk taking and for me with the boston marathon in 20 you know 2014 I was a 15th or 19th fastest guy in. I was two weeks shy of my 39th birthday. So I was not likely to win less than 1% chance to win, but nobody can test the heart. And my intentions were to, to win top three or run a personal best. And I had the victim's name on my bib. I, you know, as you know, sponsors get very protective, but I had a Sharpie. I wrote it down because that's how I am. I wanted to honor those, those victims. You can't get those lives back. And I went for it and then the Kenyans, the Ethiopians who were trying to slow down the race about five miles to it. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Excuse my French, but screw this. I'm gonna go for it and see what happens. And they let me go. And once I, you know, I don't, I've been in the zone. I don't remember going to the halfway point. I don't halfway point, Worsley College. There's, I'm pretty sure there's a 13.1 mile mark, but I don't remember going through it. Having done the Boston Marathon a few times, it, I knew what I was capable of doing. And I was wearing a wash. I knew my pacing and remember I said 520 mile. In seventh grade, uh, that mile, I believe mile 15 of the Boston Marathon was 431 or 430. And I still had 10 miles to go or 11 miles to go. So kept pushing, but I wanted to be by myself up the hills. And, you know, you, it's not point to point. It's point to point. So you can't look back and see on the corner. So you just got to do the best you can. And the crowd was fabulous. The crowd was like electrifying. They were thrilled to see an American in the lead. And People are doing the waves. People are doing USA, USA, and I can start joining them. USA, USA, but I'm like, concentrate on the race, concentrate on the race. You can do that afterward. Don't don't celebrate too early. But and then with the 5K left, it was about three miles. I when I realized I've been chased down. So now three things came to mind: slow down, save your energy for Boylston, which I had a vision that is going to come to Boylston, uh, and save your kick, or try to maintain the gap, trying to extend the gap. I said, if he catch up to me, he's going to have the mental edge. So just try and maintain, expand the gap. And I would look back a lot. And, and I just kept pushing and pushing at mile 24, I believe I feel like throwing up. I just got to hold my chin up and try to swallow and then go wow. forward. And 
and I was hurting pretty bad my feet and then uh, and but coming the last mile I just I just prayed and continuously and give me the energy of the victims give me the energy of the crowd and while I, well, it moves you it moves you say you know that's when my promoter came to stay upright the mechanics the mechanics the mechanics and posture and all that stuff you, can, you try to do everything you can every single stride and Fortunately for me, there was 36,000 people who wanted to do something positive on Boston Street. They wanted to own the race back. And God gave me the honor and, and, and blessing to be, lead the 36,000 people and to come on Boston Street just, you know, to chant USA, USA, and to look back, make sure I still got secure. I know my life is going to change forever. So what a thrill was to be able to just be the first American to win in 31 years on that day, the year after the bombing. And... I feel blessed and honored to represent our country again and the runners, not only in Boston, but also internationally. And the Bostonian don't say congratulations. They usually say thank you for healing the process a little bit more faster. And that's a, uh, that's a big, big honor. As a bit of a fairy tale, you know, nobody could have written it any better. Oh, no, no way. <laughs> it's, 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 I mean, I try to describe it, but sometimes I see videos, it's like, you know, I have to pinch myself and the hair, the chills comes up still. I don't watch it. Only when I get introduced, sometimes people show the last minute or two of that and then it still gets sparks on my, on my, on my, on my hair. Did you get your Wheaties box? I did. You know, they made oh, a good. Wheaties box for me. Yeah, that's a good point. So we were hoping to go, we were hoping to do, you know, for the older runners, but they, they, they made, uh, General Mills is, uh, became actually a good friend. Uh, they had me for a couple speaking engagements, and then also they made a Woody box. Howie, Howie was on it. My brother and manager Howie's like, gotta get that Woody's box. So yeah, there's a Woody's box. And how many do you have? I have two. Only That's two of them. But, uh, yeah. I feel like you might have a hundred somewhere in a closet. Uh, we're, we're trying to have it in store for the people. I think runners would have loved to have it. I mean, it's been 31 years, and to have that U.S. flag and go, you know, it was. Uh, Maybe they could still do that in, in the commemorative of 10 years or something. I don't know. General no, Mills, you have it. <laughs> Let's do it again, GM. Um, all right. So I want to change place a little bit just because uh, there's so many runners out there and they want they want a little bit of you next time they step out on the course. So um, how much of your success was due to a well-rounded training routine? Strength training, flexibility, balance. Everything. I mean, at the end of the day, metaphor models, I don't want to be sales, but check it out because it will tell you about nutrition, rest, stretching, uh, plan metrics, uh, everything, strength training, and then, you know, nutrition is we are what we put in our system. And I've been very fortunate to have that. You can, I know I don't want to, you can has been with me since 2010. I mean, like Skechers shoes, Volvo, CEP compression socks, you know, to be able to run, you know, the muscles vibrate and you need to have that with the KT tape also. And then I love music, you know, uh, having a, the aftershocks is, is huge to be able to just be able to uh, wear them and energy. Music gives you energy. And also, you know, you want to look cool when you run. So you got to have your Maui gym sunglasses as well. So, you know, everything's a balance. Uh, just have fun and, you know, Finding people to train with, being accountable uh, is huge. And then to stretch together, what is five minutes, seven minutes before and after, it's going to give you longevity and strength for your, for your muscles to, to be, you know, not stiff, but also you should do your push-ups and sit-ups on core. Here and there, you don't have to do it every time, but when you can, get it done, even when you're watching TV. 
Absolutely. And then what about nutrition? Marathon runners think I run marathons. I can eat whatever I want. <laughs> I think otherwise. What about you? Yeah, if you're maybe 21 or 23 year old, <laughs> and we know how many 21, 20 years, two years old, I do marathons. So if you haven't tried, you can try, you can, but I think you are what you put in your system. Nutrition is such an important, it's a fuel to your body and you want to get that energy. And for me, you know, when I was 21, 22, and I could eat anything, everything, you know, metabolism's high, I put 100 something miles a week. It was, it was huge, but now you have to strategize. I mean, personally for me, I like to have hambasha or a bagel before I go for a run and then protein after a hard workout, whether it's chicken, eggs, or meat. Um, and then also when be, carbohydrate is important before you do your long run or tempo and things like that, you know, pasta for me, I'd love to have the night before my tempo or long run or hard workout spaghetti with meatball and red sauce. I'm good to go. So you got We're going to get a lot of, uh, um, you know, advices, try them and see what works best for you. And then once you do that, stick to it. It's like, you know, it becomes part of your lifestyle and, and your fuel of energy to be the best you can. So don't, don't lose sight of that. And as we go through, just wanted to let all of our viewers know that I'm putting these messages up for, t for Meb, you, you've been receiving so much love, so much love. Oh. So this will be on playback. You'll be able to see if you want to go back and see all the beautiful messages. Uh, Meb is the best. We love Meb. I mean, you've, oh. you've impacted so many. And this is what some people fail to recognize is running is the largest participant sport in the world where, you know, football maybe we're so proud that we got 50,000 spectators in to watch our 100 guys play uh football but then at our races sometimes we have 50,000 people line up to compete and for you to be the best of all those <laughs> thousands of people is a real um triumph and and certainly required lots of effort on your part so are you i mean this has been a super weird year um are you planning to run any races soon? Be masters champion? <laughs> it's, it's always, I actually, I love exercise. It's part of my style, lifestyle and my wife here does, does the same thing. We love, and then they, we try to expose that to our kids, you know, but in terms of racing, not, I, had, I haven't got the urge to race yet, but I, I miss my fellow runners. So I'm excited for the Boston marathon and October 11th or New York city marathon first week of uh, November. And, maybe a few other races that I will attend, but yeah, it's been a strange year for everybody, a difficult year for everybody, but I think we are the fortunate ones. We can't get the life that we lost thousands and thousands and still hindering other countries. Uh, my prayers and thoughts go to them, but at the same time, let's appreciate every run that we have. And then down the road, maybe I'll get the urge to be competitive, but for me it was, you know, I get my natural high running six, seven miles. I'm happy with that, you know, and I would love to go into potentially, uh, you know, coaching it down the road. And I'm still part of owner of the Carlsbad and uh, 5K or 5,000 meters or the San Jose half marathon. Uh, and, you know, motivational speaking to resume and other things I've been doing that or cooperation. So I've been busy, but at the same time, the urge to be competitive and some things still, still in you sometimes, but you know, only when people don't know who I am and they want to just go past me, I'm like, uh, let, me, let me just pick it up a little bit then. You know, I was just, yeah. let me try my music, you know, and and I sometimes people will go with, you know, they know who I am, they're like, great to run with you or can I run with you? And then I have a good friend, his name Josh, like, can I go next mile or 500 meter with you? And then I'm like, okay, and let's go. And then the next thing is, I don't, they think I go crazy pace all the time. I don't, I just go a nice steady pace and they join me and now we'll get together for, for a run for five, six mile runs. 
So Meb, if you ever want to do like three miles at 11 minutes a mile. That's um, you to go, huh? Yeah. All right, sounds good. <laughs> I'm kind of slow. But we, that's do that. okay. we, did, we did something like similar with the Gasparilla this year. They had about uh, five contestants who do a run with and dine with Meb. So that's one thing I'm doing that I always thought about having dine with Meb experience. And we did that with the, with the Gasparilla uh, 20 winners uh, for Gasparilla uh, Distance Classic, but we also have five winners to go run. You know, we just—it's not the pace. It's just when I'm when I'm there, I'm for those people. Whether it's a nine-minute pace or ten-minute pace, eleven-minute pace to get it done, we get it done, and 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 uh, kind of enjoy the camaraderie of, of friendship. So, if there's any race directors watching, and I know for a fact they are because they've been commenting, Meb, Meb's available to make your race a more <laughs> special experience. He speaks. He signs books, he runs with people, he puts medals around necks. Uh, he's an awesome guest to have. So Meb, we are winding down and I try to keep really close to the hour, but I have a lightning round, which is short, fun questions, just so we can get to know a little more about you. Are you ready? Yeah, but bear in mind, I'm in marathon, so I might go long-winded answer. Okay, <laughs> okay, that's when you've got time, I've got time. <laughs> oh, and we have another slower runner. Melissa's ready to run a slower pace, so we'll we'll put that on the calendar. So what is your favorite type of music? Hip hop, hip hop, uh, especially, you know, it's, it's good. And I listen to a lot of my native tongue, Eritrean languages, so a lot of drums, a lot of drums that makes me move. And when I, people haven't asked me, when I run, thanks for after for Aftershock, but I run with music every day, unless I'm running with people. Other than that, music every day, except when I compete, I don't, I can't have it. Okay. Now, if you were forced to choose only one song to listen to while running a marathon really fast, what song would that be? The th two, uh, Eyes of a Tiger and then also New York, New York, Jay-Z oh. and Alicia uh, Keys. Okay. Nice choices. Nice, very nice yeah. choices. Um, what's your favorite movie? Coming to America. <laughs> <laughs> That's an easy one, you know. It's a, it's a classic. Have you seen it's part two? I did, and every time I go to hotels, I don't watch a lot of TV, but when I'm in hotels, if, if they replay Coming to America, I still watch it for the hundredth or whatever time. You can't go wrong. Eddie Murphy right. or Arsenio Hall. Yeah, they're funny. They're very funny. Yes, they are. That's such a funny answer. Well done, Meb. Um, what is your favorite thing to do other than running? I love spending time with people. Uh, I'm a people's person, whether it's having a coffee or conversing, conversing, uh, time with family and friends is important to me. And if I love reading autobiography, if I have to read autobiography books. Okay. All right. And then you have three daughters. Can you do their hair? Are you that dad? When it's necessary? Yes, I am. But thank God, you know, when I was competing, you're done it all. And she's now they're old enough to do their own. Uh, the youngest one is the one her older sister does it, but there's times I'm not going to say I'm going to claim it, but there have been a couple of times where I have to do it. And if they ask, I, I will ask if you guys need help. And this is like, they really know, but I've done that. I love that. I love that. Now you mentioned dancing earlier. Are you a good dancer? That depends who's watching. <laughs> okay. I, I like to think I'm a good Eritrean dance dancer, but uh, English uh, music, I'm okay. Not a great dancer. Okay. You can shake your booty. <laughs> What is that shirt that says, I earned this booty? That said, the Gasparilla hat says, I earned this booty, I guess. Uh, well, well, it's a, just lot a, about, a lot about the shoulders. Okay, okay, the shoulders. Yeah, I'm so a next, shoulder guy. Next time we're at a finish line and I'm on the microphone, you may be you know, put you on the that, spot. Get that shirt on my shoulder or whatever. You know, that kind of dance. 
<laughs> I'm gonna call you out and be like, "All right, everybody, it's the time of race." Where I can't, I can't do the Michael, Michael Jackson moves, you know, the moonwalk and things like that. I could try, but all right. Well, you do your thing, whatever it is. But I will make sure <laughs> that is that happens. Um, who was your first celebrity crush? Oh, uh, that's a tough one. Oh, probably Brandy or Heather Lockwood. I think has a Locklear. Not clear, yeah. <laughs> Excellent choices. Beautiful girls. <laughs> um, they got me there. You got me there. <laughs> Brandy. Brandy was a babe, too. So uh, if you, what is your one bucket list race? So is there one race you haven't run that you'd really like to? Oh, man. It's, I mean, if I'm going to do I'm going to go to destination places. Like, I would say probably Paris Marathon. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I've been very fortunate to see the world done a lot of the races, but there's, there's some races, probably I would go probably Paris or Rome or something. I don't know. Nice. I, I want to make sure I enjoy like a week of it, like what others try to do. Now, for me, it was like, I've been to those places, but it's been for the world championship or track races in and out and whatnot. But if I would do races now, it would be, you know, hopefully actually, my, you know, my daughter, the youngest one, no, the middle one, she's 13 and she's interested in doing a marathon. I'm like, do the 5K, 10K, half marathon, but she's done two half marathons. She wants to do a marathon before she's 14. And I'm like, well, better choose a good place and I'll make sure they're okay to do for you to do it. So we'll see. She's, she has, she wants to do it. Just want us to do it. Have you ever run Big Sur? I have not. My good friend, uh, Tom Foreman, Okay. works for CNN has has told me that and I heard, I heard about that's a great one uh, I have not done it I've seen pictures of it I've seen the medals of it but that would be probably another bucket list to probably do yeah Rudy and I announced that one we we would love to have you at Big Sur okay. somebody, I see somebody Rudy, Rudy is saying come to Big Sur <laughs> all right let's make it happen <laughs> another uh, yeah. great reason to go back to California you know that's right there's never a bad reason for it all right and and final question is um what is your advice for someone who has never run a race, but is feeling like maybe they'd like to? You know, if it's, I think the hardest part about running is getting out the door. I mean, you, you don't have to go run. You can go for a walk, enjoy the birds, enjoy the scenery and go to your favorite place. If you can, whether if you can go from your house, that's awesome. Save time. But if you say, you know what, I want to go check that place out and, you know, whether it's Bay Shore, Florida, or somewhere else, where the water, if there's a place where you can go for water, it's going to be such a nice place. Like for yeah. me, Mission Bay, Mission Bay Park or Miramar Lake in San Diego was a great place to go see. Or uh, I think just double tie your shoes and, <laughs> and run, walk, whatever that it is. And just, and the next advice would be just stay consistent. You know, if it's two times, so we don't wait, do it today and then wait a month and do it again. Because if you do that, every time it hurts because those muscles are sore from the, from the pounding. And then you're like, oh, hey, run, hey, run. But if you can get that 72 hours or whatever it is, and after that, keep doing it, maintain that fitness that, and you should, unless you go more longer or do intense workout, the soreness should not be there. And, but people get start and stop, start and stop. And they're like, oh, this is aches and pains. And yes, it does. But at the same time, the joy that brings is much more. And you will be thankful to the person that whoever introduced you to it. That's right. Yeah, it'll change your life if you let it. It'll let change your life. So where can people find you? What is your website? 
My website is marathonmeb.com, uh, and there's a lot of the Meb Foundation is there. The link for the Meb Foundation maintain excellent balance through health, education, and fitness for young kids, and also also books. Uh, I'll be traveling the next two, three, maybe next month or so, but you can get the books through if you want to get them personalized or to, as a gift or something. You can go to the marathonmeb.com and order books through there as well. But I always appreciate you. On also, you can do at run meb. Uh, through Twitter and uh, Instagram and Facebook. And are you active on those or are those your people posting things for you? I'm active. I'm active. Uh, okay. And there's some days that I can, I send them, I draft it and send it to them and they post it, but it's, uh, you know, okay. it's a teamwork, but I'm, I'm pretty active on it. All right. Well, Meb, I got to tell you, this was an absolute honor and a privilege and a whole heck of a lot of fun. You are a fantastic guest and I wish you would join me every week because I feel like we could talk about all sorts of things that went by so fast I didn't even think that uh, we you know we covered all this thing so I appreciate you make it easy for us and keep keep uh, keep up the great work of what you're doing and uh, thanks everybody for for our your support fits and for myself included thanks Meb and since we are here with the University of Florida's Wadston speaker series we like to end the show with a big old chomp. So you got to put those big arms up, right arm high, and give it. <laughs> well, I know once the camera is there. There you there go. You go. Which way? <laughs> there you go. Perfect. All right, Mav, I. There you go. Good one. <laughs> perfect. I look forward to seeing you on race day. And for everybody else, thanks so much for tuning in. Um, we have more great guests coming on the fitness show. June 10th will be Jeff Galloway. He's going to talk about his recovery from his heart attack. I think Jeff is doing great. And uh, yeah, yeah. Share this one with your friends. Everyone needs to hear a little bit of Meb, uh, a little bit of inspiration in your life. So take care, everyone. Get to work. Right, Bye, team. Thank you.